0: South Coast Repertory podcast. I'm Tanya Thompson, and joining me on this edition is Hal Landon, Jr. His connection to South Coast Repertory goes back to the theater's early years, starting in 1967 with the production of Playboy of the Western World. In addition to the stage, he's also a veteran of television and film, including the HBO movie All the Way, Mad Men, Ellen, Cheers, The Artist, And most recently, a little sequel called Bill and Ted Face the Music. But to most of us, Hal is Ebenezer Scrooge in SCR's annual production of A Christmas Carol, a role he originated 40 years ago and a role that he will bid farewell in 2019. Hal, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I want to take a look at Scrooge in a moment, but tell me about theater, where did you and theater meet? I think you grew up in Arizona.
1: I, I did, in, uh, in Tucson. Um, and, uh, well, no accident. Both, both of my parents were um, actors. My dad had been an actor in uh, film in the 40s, made quite a few films. But when uh, he hit a little bump in the road, in terms of that, that as it sometimes happened with actors, Decided to give it up for a while. And so we moved to Tucson, Arizona, which was where my mother was from. But while there, uh, he did tons of community theater. And they had a pretty high-quality community theater there. And after a few years, uh, when uh, my sister and I had kind of grown up, she started acting uh, with that community theater. And they were both really good. (laughs) So... um, so I didn't get into it right away. Maybe that was the reason. Uh, it wasn't until college I, I had plans to play on the University of Arizona uh, varsity basketball team, but the coach decided that it probably wasn't such a good idea afterward. So I was just looking for something to do. <laughs> oh. So I took an acting class, and as happens with a lot of people, uh, I got bit by the bug. Mm-hmm. So I then switched majors to acting, and that was that was that.
0: Well, and— stage theater in particular why is that such a strong calling for you well w- once once i got
1: into acting i i know i started reading about it and and i was fascinated by stories about actors and companies that they belonged to all the way back to shakespeare and so forth and you know moliere had a troupe of his own and and, uh, and the Moscow Art Theater and uh, some of the early repertory theaters, in, particularly in, in England, and the you know great actors like Olivier and Gielgud and so forth, I don't know, all that stuff really fascinated me. And then when the resident theater movement kind of started in America, I, I loved reading about the, the uh, San Francisco Actors Workshop and the Guthrie and the arena and so forth. And I don't know, there was just something about that. I, I, it's difficult for me really to explain. But I guess it was this, that, uh, that it was a group of people dedicated to the art, you know, and that commerce was secondary. And what they really cared about was producing the best play possible. Really appealed to me. So that's where I drifted first. Instead of going to like Hollywood, I went to the San Francisco Actors Workshop.
0: And is that where you happen to meet a pair of young kids <laughs> named uh, Martin Benson and David Ms who maybe spirited you down here?
1: Yeah, well, sort of. <laughs> I actually, I, when I when I left uh, University of Arizona, I did a uh, that summer I did a Shakespeare festival in Pomona, California, where I met Wayne Grace, who later did several shows here, and he told me about South Coast Repertory because he knew Martin and David and Jack and Jack Davis, and so, you know, oh, yeah, and he had a lot of nice things to say, but I didn't see a production. I, I went up to San Francisco and did join the Actors' Workshop as, a, as an apprentice, and then uh, after they uh, actually ended, um, Blau and Irving had gone off to the Lincoln Center, who were the artistic directors, but I did but I did a show in San Francisco before I, I left, Um uh, looked back in anger. and one of the women in the show, uh, Jean Devine, was Mike Devine's wife, and Mike Devine had been our designer for a, a number of years, and she s- had some really good things to say about South Coast repertory. So I'd said, well okay, I'm going to go down and see my dad. He lived in uh, Pasadena and while I'm there, I'll go down and see a play. <laughs> so I did. And uh, I saw, let's get a divorce. Now, Martin Benson swears that I said I didn't like the production. I won't go so far. I don't believe I did say that. I might not have been as thrilled with the production as he wanted me to be. (laughs) But I saw that they had really, you know, good actors and, you know, a great energy and everything. So I, I asked if I could audition. And I did. And I was accepted. And the rest is history.
0: You know, every morning when I arrive for work, I I walk through the door and I look at that beautiful black and white photo taken of the company on the beach and oh, there yeah. you are. And I think you may even have a top hat on, if I'm not mistaken. So tell me a little bit more about the early years for you and South Coast Rep.
1: Well, it was, it was quite a bit different from what it is now. I mean, one of the big differences was that we we all had day jobs. We worked during the day and then came and rehearsed or performed at, at night. So uh, we don't do that now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was in my 20s. I could handle that then. But, you know, it was exhausting at times. But it was really exciting, too. I mean, you know, you were, it was your... It's all you kind of thought about, was getting to rehearsal that night and uh, developing the play, and, uh, and it was with all the you know, founding member types and others that were connected with the theater. M- almost all of them really, really talented. And I don't know, it was, we were young, we were excited, we loved doing theater, and, uh, and we were able to do it. Just weren't getting paid for it, that was all.
0: Oh, but times change, yeah. don't they? Well, I want to turn to A Christmas Carol now. And I have to say, for me, my first uh, introduction to that story was through a beautiful black-and-white film from the 1950s with Alistair Sim mm-hmm. as Ebenezer Scrooge. Did you read the story as a kid?
1: No. Uh, people ask me that, and, and I have to admit, I, the, the, the Dickens story was, was not part of our family's Christmas tradition. I, I, was, I don't believe— up until getting cast, I'd ever actually read the novella, and I hadn't really, I don't know if I'd ever, if I'd seen any of the films all the way through. I eventually saw all of Alastair Sims. Uh, I may have seen it all in one sitting. I don't, I don't remember for sure, but uh, I, I was really inspired by that. I mean, it's the best film version, I think. And, uh, but that was my only exposure to it up until I got cast.
0: How did the show get started? What's your recollection?
1: Well, I think, as I recall, um, they wanted to do something, they wanted to do a, a kind of a family show. We didn't have the TYA and and that. And,
0: Which is theater for young audiences. Yeah, we didn't
1: have the, you know, where we do what, is it three or four, mm-hmm. you know, really well produced and acted by professional plays. We didn't have that there, so we didn't, we had the conservatory, was in kind of an infant stage, but, but didn't do productions of their own, I don't believe. So they, anyway, so they wanted to do kind of a family show that would appeal to adults and children. So they figured Christmas Carol was a good way to, to, to do that. And, uh, and that turned out to be the case.
0: You were in your 30s when you took this role on.
1: Correct.
0: How did you originally approach creating this role?
1: I think the fact that it was uh, that we did have this idea that part of this, but the appeal was was going to be for kids. We looked for, I think, as many comedic elements as we could, and uh, and we found them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and when when we did it, it was popular, and people really really liked it. But there was, was the suggestion that were we really being faithful to the, to the kind of the spirit of Dickens. And I think we had to admit that maybe we weren't, <laughs> being completely faithful. I mean, there's tons of humor in, in even the bleakest of bleak house, <laughs> there's humor. Um, so you, you don't want to shy away from that, but you also want to address all the other uh, values and elements within the play. And so I think from that point on was a for me anyway, and I think for the rest of the cast and for John David, the director, was you know ways of finding how we could make those those points clear also.
0: How was it that the somersault came to be? That is such an athletic and iconic moment, not only, for the audience in the show, for you probably, uh, over the years being fun, I would hope, but it's a turning point for Scrooge's character as well.
1: Right. Well, John David wanted that scene at the end, especially when, when he's getting dressed, to be as filled with joy and so forth, uh, you know, all the emotions that Scrooge is, is feeling after his transformation. So we actually had originally a lot of business in that, which has since been cut. I was doing stuff with the overcoat and some of the other clothing. And it was probably probably good that we cut it. (laughs) But in the process of rehearsing all that stuff, all that business, I had placed the hat on the bed while we were rehearsing. I mean, about where I place it now when I do the somersault. So, so I placed it there, and then we were still talking and doing some other stuff and maybe rehearsing some other stuff. And so, then, so now we, we finished all that, and then I said, okay, what, how are we going to finish the scene? And so John David was suggesting, well, what, what if you did a somersault off the bed? He, he, he knew that I had been a, a, a diver in high school and college, so he thought I could—forgetting <laughs> that. that it wasn't water I would be doing the flip <laughs> into— so, um, I mean, I suppose I could have done it maybe that year only, but um, it would have been risky, you know, sticking the landing every time. So I thought, that's probably not a great idea. Um, but then I saw the hat, and I think I said something like, well, what if I, what if I stick my head in the hat and then do a, a somersault to the other side of the bed? And uh, and John David said, "Can you do that?" And I said, "I don't know. Let's see." So I tried it, and I did it, and it's been in ever since.
0: And probably more than a thousand times.
1: Probably, yeah. I did manage to miss twice, oh, much to my chagrin, but.
0: And what did you do?
1: Well, the first time, I just didn't stick my head in far enough. So I did a somersault, but the hat wasn't on my head. But it was still there, so I, I was able to go back around and then do it successfully. The other time I had I don't know what happened. The hat was there and then it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean it went off stage. It went flying. I, I I don't I just I don't know what I don't know how I could possibly have done that, but I did. <laughs> but I haven't done it since, so
0: Gremlin's. It was in the a theater. while ago. Yes, yes. Well over the course of these four decades, how do you come to the character of Scrooge each year? How do you delve into his character to continue learning more or finding fresh ways to interpret him? Well,
1: I do start kind of playing around with it. And and, and usually just my, you know, my, just doing that will, will give me an idea for a, another look at it. And... But usually that look or that approach is <laughs> fairly drastic. But I'll go ahead and do it. I'll, I'll, I'll rehearse it a little bit. And, and I'll, I'll get really excited about playing him like, like I was trying to play him. I thought, you know, actually there's a kind of insanity about him, you know. I mean, this obsession... So I was playing around with having be be just loopy crazy, you know, and I was really excited about it. But then, fortunately, it came to me that you no, know, this might be just a little too much. <laughs> but having done that, I still I'll still use a little bit of that, you know. I'll, some of that will still be there; it just won't be, hopefully, too much. And and like I've. One year, I was going to just make him cold and hard and and kind of unemotional, and and that felt great. But then I I realized that, well, making him quiet and cold and hard and sustaining that energy over a whole play, people are going to be falling asleep. So I came to my senses on that. But that coldness and hardness I kept internally so, just finding something new like that, mm-hmm. just a little spark thing like that, really helps. The, I was, the, well, there would be one other thing that helps with this idea of, I guess, f- keeping it fresh and so forth, is trying to stay in the moment. Now, you want to do that as an actor all the time, and I have, have tried to do that as an actor, but I have become more successful at it, I think, in playing Scrooge. And, and having done it for such a long period of time. Because now I don't have to think about the lines. Uh, I don't have to think about uh, my, my blocking. I don't have to think about my entrance. I don't have to think about where the other actors are going to be. I don't have to think about whether the other actors are going to give me anything because I know they will because I've been doing it with them and trusting them and they've been trusting me. So I'm left to be able to focus as much as I can only on... Scrooge in the moment and try to think his thoughts instead of mine and am and, and more successful I think at that, playing this part as a result of mostly the 40 years I think than when you just have three or four weeks to rehearse a, a character so those are a couple of things that really help
0: Are there any lessons or things that you have learned about yourself in the process of portraying Scrooge over the past years,
1: I've learned that I'm not a miser, <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be. <laughs> no, I just I think what's well, I don't know what that, how. What uh, the thing I learned about Scrooge, because I always wonder, well, 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 you know, is there a is there something inside him? Uh, I mean, th- there must be some kindness, some humanity in there somewhere. And, and I even thought at so, at times that I should show that at some point during the early part. But the more I re- realized that, no, it, it, that's gone. I mean, it, it's buried so deep that on the conscious level, it, it can't be brought out. No, Nobody could speak to him. Nobody could convince him. Nobody, no matter how logical, whatever, he's going to stick to these Value, these miserly values if you will and it's only through the subconscious in a dream that manages to work its way down to whatever that little thing is and then it kind of explodes in the dream and he is able to transform completely transform into a different person and I guess I guess I'm just kind of learned and been sort of fascinated by that, on, on the one hand, the, the inability for people to change. I mean, when you look at what's happening with, in this country politically and so forth, and you see these polar opposites, you know, and I, I guess that helps me understand that a little bit, that, you know, logic and doesn't change people's minds. Uh, and, but not that I say that it has to be some cataclysmic thing, but, but, that, um, but that even for, for myself, you know, I learned that if, if I wanted to change, uh, that it would take something besides just talking about it. So I, I, uh, I meditate now, and uh, I try to practice this thing of living in the moment uh, that I talked about not just as an actor, but in my own life, you know, and found that as much as I can f- not think about the past, since the past is gone, mm-hmm. <laughs> not much I can do about it, you know, except feel guilty or resentful or something like that, which does absolutely no good. <laughs> Don't think, of, why think about the future? It's not here yet so there's no point in worrying or so now of course I'm not completely successful at that but I am getting better um, and so I don't know it is sort of I don't know what you would call it coming in the backdoor way I guess I think I've learned and been grateful for that lesson in Christmas Carol Wow
0: what's been the most challenging thing through the years well,
1: um, well, the most challenging thing is that thing of keeping it fresh and everything, mm-hmm. and then also just trying to stay healthy. You know, because it's a demanding part, and if I get the few times I've gotten sick, it has affected you know to some degree. I I hope the audience hasn't noticed it too much, <laughs> but I've noticed it, and it's just harder to do it. Mm-hmm. But I've been pretty successful with that. You know, I get my flu shot, and I I I, I do have to stay. Physically strong enough to do the flip and all that so I I need to work out consistently and, uh, and That kind of stuff, but nothing is I you know, it's just mostly been uh, You know really artistically satisfying and and a, a joyful experience nothing has been Challenging certainly in any kind of negative way
0: You talk about artistically satisfying and some joy. What what is a delightful memory that you have?
1: Well, um, certainly uh, when my daughter, Caroline, my youngest daughter, Caroline, that would be about 20 years ago, she was in the show because she was in the conservatory and got cast, uh, and she played a girl about town, I think, or young girl about town. So naturally, that was delightful. And then last year, my oldest daughter, Kate, her daughter and my granddaughter, Presley, played... Tiny Tim so that was very delightful I'll say yeah and uh, but the other delights are you know I mean it's really been like working with John David Keller you know we've worked together on this thing for over the years and and his energy and enthusiasm for for just Christmas in general (laughs) never mind Christmas Carol you know is always inspiration so he's coming up with you know, new, new ideas and stuff. and, and uh, uh, Yeah, and just, I, I think just that spirit he brings every year to the play is a delight. And, and working with the other actors over a long period of years and developing that kind of ensemble feeling with them and just developing personal relationships with people that I wouldn't have been able to develop had I not worked with them for such a long time.
0: I love receiving emails and hearing from people who have been coming to the show anywhere from all 40 years mm-hmm. to perhaps they saw it for the first time last year. Do people stop you in the grocery store and say you're Scrooge?
1: They do. They do. And that's that would that's probably one well one of the main things that has kept me doing it for 40 years cuz I'll think about I'll think about I've done it enough, you know. But then somebody <laughs> will come up, just like you say, at a grocery store or at the gym or something, and say, you know, how much this show means to them, how, how much uh, yeah, it means to their family. And, and like you say, somebody say, well, my parents brought me when I was a kid, and now, now I'm bringing my kids, you know, and in some cases those kids are bringing their kids. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. That's, uh, that's really special.
0: There's another element you touched on it briefly about uh, children in our theater conservatory here who audition for the opportunity to be in the show. Mm-hmm. What is that dynamic like? Having those young, um, eager kids be be part of this professional company production.
1: Well, they certainly bring a uh, energy to the <laughs> uh, uh, production. Now it's great. I mean, and um, when I can look into young Ebenezer's eyes and see that he's thinking what Eben, young Ebenezer's thinking or going through, the, that the effect on me is, you know, considerable.
0: What is going through your mind now as you're preparing to step down after 40 years as this character on this stage for this audience?
1: Um, that maybe I. I decided to quit too soon, and I <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, actually, I don't have any doubts about that. Uh, it's funny, because I didn't, I don't have a specific reason for stopping. It's like, I'm, I'm not tired of doing it, and, uh, but I realized, well, I got to stop sometime. I can't just do it forever, and for some reason, forty-four zero sounded so right, so that went into that decision, but But it will be emotional. I hope I get through the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think on that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the SCR podcast. My thanks to Hal Landon Jr., whose 30 final performances as Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol in 2019 will wrap up four decades with the show and as that memorable character. Hal, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure.
1: Sure. Thank you.
0: Your final chance to see Hal as Ebenezer Scrooge is during the 40th anniversary production of A Christmas Carol, which runs on our Segerstrom stage November 30 through December 24, 2019. Today's sound engineer is Mike Ritchie. And for more information on this and other productions at Orange County's Tony Award-winning theater, visit us online at scr.org. Hal, before we leave... May I ask you to ring out the wild bells for us?
1: Sure. It's actually, this is actually a poem by, it's not Dickens, it's by Alfred Lord Tennyson. And I, I was reading a book um, about Dickens, and there was a section on Dickens' family, and he had ten children, one of whom is named Alfred. And it turns out he's named after Alfred Lord Tennyson and and that Dickens and he were great friends. Yeah. But Jerry Patch in his genius uh, saw that it fit perfectly. So ring out wild bells to the wild sky, the flying cloud, the frosty light, the year is dying in the night. Ring out wild bells and let him die. Ring out the grief that saps the mind for those that here we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress for all mankind. Ring out old shapes of foul disease. Ring out the narrowing lust of gold. Ring out the thousand wars of old. Ring in the thousand years of peace. To Christmas.